now, the one who protects us all from prattling prognosticators and perfidious pundits. I say, America, stay out the bushes. Look for the Union Naval. That's the securities rights governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the government. From my cold, dead hands. I'm concerned that if we don't impeach this president, he will get reelected. It's time for the Alan Nathan Show. Here he is, the longest-running nationally syndicated centrist host in the country, Alan Nathan. Well, welcome back to the Alan Nathan Show. I'm Karen Cataline, happily, and uh, I'm honored to be filling in for Alan Nathan today. Well, uh, I talk often about the war on masculinity And this gentleman knows firsthand and writes about it and talks about it often. His name is Armin Brott, also known as Mr. Dad for his nationally published columnist on manhood and fatherhood. He is host of Positive Parenting, a weekly talk show. And he's also author of The New Father, A Dad's Guide to the Toddler Years. Welcome, Armin Brott, to the Ellen Nathan Show once again. Your show a couple times too. Ah, yes, yes, absolutely. I'm glad that you. We heard. We didn't hear the very beginning of your sentence, but we got it now. We oh. got it now. So the APA Center for Psychology and Health decided, and and rightfully so, the traditional masculinity. I mean, not rightfully so. I'm sorry. They actually decided <laughs> yeah. that to- that traditional masculinity was toxic and lumped men's mental health with women, and yet 80% of men commit suicide? 80%? Tell us about that. Do I have that right? Well, it's not 80% of men commit suicide. It's 80% of suicides are male. Oh, 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 oh. well, there you go. Thank God for that. That's an important... 80% of suicides, it's still enormous. I mean, that's how it was written in my notes. I'm sorry. Yeah. But 80% of suicides are men. What do you make of that, uh, given that you're the expert here? Well, I I am just troubled by the fact that such such a... a well-known and respected organization as the APA, the American Psychological Association, would come out with a thing saying that somehow there's something inherently wrong with being a man, which is what they basically said, is that the traditional masculinity is toxic. Traditional masculinity is not. It's any more than traditional femininity is toxic. It's There, there are individuals who behave badly, and we should say something about that, no matter who they are. But I think what's going on here is that we're not understanding that some of some of traditional masculinity becomes becomes a problem, and it leads directly to the the outrageous suicide numbers that we just mentioned, because guys are not learning to recognize the symptoms of mental health issues in themselves. We grow up with this business of big boys don't cry and take it like a man and man up, and we don't ask for help when we need it. And to make matters worse, the mental health community, which the APA is representing, does not know how to recognize symptoms of mental health in in men. They have screening tools that flag things that are much more feminine symptoms, like do you cry often? Do you have feelings of worthlessness? They don't flag things like, are you drinking more than you used to? Are you isolating yourself from your family? Are you working more than you used to? Those are traditional male ways of dealing with mental health. We we have a tendency to, to go to, to dig within and not let anybody know that we've had any problems. And so guys are not being flagged. They're not getting the help that they need. They're not going to get help in the first place because they know that when they get there, nobody's going to be terribly interested or educated about them. And it, it's it's a horrible situation. And, and we all know that if 80% of suicides were female, there would be a national health crisis, and rightfully so, uh, to say that we've got to do something about this this crazy suicide rate among women. But Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, okay. I think that's kind of where we are is, is yeah. we've got we, we've created a problem as a society and we're not doing enough about it. And, and it's not well, going to get any better. 
And this is the operative word. When you call masculinity toxic, you know, at first they said toxic masculinity. Everybody went, well, well, okay. But they really mean men who are toxic, not all men. And then you put that in context, Armin Brat, uh, of in the seventies, I'm old enough to remember in the seventies when they were, when the culture, the culture critics, leftist culture critics always told women that the world would be a better, safer place if women were in charge. And from that moment when they elevated, I even tweeted about this recently, elevated, uh, beta males over, uh, men who were uh, decidedly masculine, they were trying to tell women, no, you want a man that's really behaves like a woman. Uh, like um, Ashley Wilkes is much far superior to Rhett Butler, and uh, Alan Alda is more superior to Tom Selleck, as if a strong man is somehow toxic by virtue of being strong. Isn't that what's going on? It's a direct attack on the culture. One more sentence, because I love this subject and I apologize. But if you put that in context with the gender politics that is pushing uh, both genders not to know what gender even is, uh, doesn't that suggest that they're trying to change human nature somehow, turn it into something it's not? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that men, because of having higher levels of testosterone, are more likely to behave in certain types of ways or a little bit more likely to be aggressive, certainly generally uh, more physical strength, uh, taller, hairier, that kind of thing. Women, because of uh, having more estrogen than men do, behave in certain types of ways. They have they tend to, to be more emotional. I mean, the, you know, the, the stereotypical kinds of things, those things are beneficial in many ways. And to try to drum them out of society or to try to imagine that they don't exist and in our inability these days to define what a man is or what a woman is or to have. I think we know how yeah. I think they want to talk people into the fact that you can't, uh, you know, uh, common right. sense dictates, you know, that yeah. that's. What it is, I'm sorry, but it, it's no. it's just a crazy making gaslighting that's going on. Because let's face it, Armin, um, who fights the wars? Who fights the wars? Um, beta well, males uh, or strong men? Right, and I think that the pushback on that would be, well, if women were in charge, there wouldn't be any wars, which is absurd. Because the, the reality of it is, I think, as we all know, that when women are in positions of power, they behave just as badly as men who are in positions of power. They, <laughs> Go they, they take advantage of the people who are below them, and they they do things that that are unethical and and whatever yeah. else. It's it's power. It's, it's not gender. Humanity. It's the folly of humanity. One trying to get over on the other. So how do we? address this attack on masculinity? Well, I think we have to recognize that we have to go back to, I suppose, traditional values. We have to recognize that men and women are different, that we have different needs, that we need to look at what's going on with men and mental health and suicide. And suicide is one thing, but there are opiate overdoses and so many other things that are predominantly male. Workplace deaths, for example, 90-something percent of workplace deaths are, are males. We need to recognize that there is a male health crisis in this country and that if we don't do something about it immediately, we're, we are going to be in serious trouble. It costs us hundreds of billions of dollars a year in lost tax revenues and increased payments to widows and survivors and all that kind of stuff. And it's it's also costing lives, many, many lives. And when men are, are unhappy and committing suicide, it affects women and children. So if we if we want to improve the lives of women and children, we can also do that by improving the lives of men. Yeah. When the pop culture started going after masculinity, they they made this slight un, uh, miscalculation. Women have children and many times those children happen to be what? men, males, yeah. and they care yeah. about those children to grow up happy and healthy. How do we find your your uh, program, Positive Parenting? It sounds like there's so much more wisdom here for us to gather. 
Well, Positive Parenting and uh, all my books are all at MrDad.com, M-R-D-A-D.com. And for those who are interested in, in male health issues, men's health issues, boys' health issues, uh, HealthyMen.org is an organization that I uh, just recently started. Wonderful. And it's, uh, it's, we're, we're doing good work educating people in the healthcare system about how to deal with men, how to recognize men's health symptoms, and uh, how to yeah, improve it's the actually, lives of everyone. It's actually a radical position to celebrate men, isn't it? Thank you so much, Armin yeah. Braun, and let's celebrate men and celebrate women. And, oh, God, I mean, I think being positive is also a radical idea. You know, love and tolerance, like what the left used to say and doesn't believe anymore. We got to take a break. When we come back, we'll have more of the Alan Nathan Show. Don't go away. New research released to mark the International Day of Math reveals that math is the subject most American adults say they're afraid of but it's also the subject they most want their children to be good at. So to help them support their children in building confidence with numbers, a new, fun and engaging computer game called Teach Your Monster Number Skills has hit the market. Junaid Mabeen is a math expert from Number Skills, and he says building your child's confidence from an early age is vital. Getting kids confident with numbers from a very young age is so important to their long-term success in mathematics. And the reason I use Teach Your Monster Number Skills with my own children is that it teaches them about numbers, about how creative and, and playful numbers can be. It's very fun and also educationally very powerful. You can download this great game today. Just search for Teach Your Monster Number Skills online. It's available on all desktop and mobile devices. Trust me, you won't regret it. This is sponsored by IBM. Job seekers, students, and career changers want to pursue roles in science, technology, engineering, and math, but aren't familiar with career options. At the same time, online training and digital credentials are emerging as a recognized pathway to opportunity. Misconceptions about the cost of training and what's required are often roadblocks to success. To tackle this and bring STEM education closer to underrepresented communities, IBM SkillsBuild is announcing 45 new educational partners. IBM SkillsBuild is a free education program focused on underrepresented communities in tech, helping all develop valuable new skills and access to career opportunities. Justina Nixon St. Till, IBM Chief Impact Officer. Technology training can have a transformational effect on a person's life. IBM is committed to raising awareness of the many roles that exist across industries in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. IBM SkillsBuild continues to grow with new partners around the world, working together to scale 30 million people by 2030. For more, skillsbuild.org. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Jason Derulo. I love that music connects to people all over the country. But unfortunately, so does something else. Childhood hunger. 15 million kids struggle with hunger right here in America. And yet, every year, billions of pounds of surplus food in the U.S. go to waste instead of going to the children in need. Feeding America is working to change this. The Feeding America nationwide network of food banks rescues this surplus of food to help provide meals to families in virtually every community in the United States, including yours. But they just can't do this alone. Join me in the fight against hunger in America. For more information on what you can do to get involved, visit feedingamerica.org. That's feedingamerica.org. Together we can solve hunger. Together we're feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. What is dedication? I am the father of a nine-year-old little girl and a six-year-old little boy. And I find fatherhood both relentlessly challenging and relentlessly rewarding. My daughter is biological and my son is adopted. I love them both so much. From the morning when you wake up to putting them to bed at night and every moment in between, it really is so special. And boy, is it exhausting. One thing that I fear about being a parent is the future for my children. I think a parent's job is to protect our children, but also prepare them for the world so they become good, kind human beings. But I'm also hopeful that the future holds a more inclusive and compassionate world for them. That's dedication. Find out more at fatherhood.gov. 
Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the Alan Nathan Show. I'm Karen Catalina, happily filling in today. And the reason I'm always happy to fill in and to do my own shows, spouting off when I do, is because I get to talk to guests who are always a pleasure and who I always look forward to speaking to. And our next guest is is certainly one of those. Senior fellow at the Discovery Institute and a fellow at Stanford's Hoover Institution. His latest book, so important, Rediscovering America. Scott Powell joins us right now on the Alan Nathan Show. Hi, Scott. Oh, it's great to be with you. Yeah. It's great to have you, too. Whenever I get the chance, not only are you uh, very, very positive in times in which it's sometimes hard to be positive, but you tell the truth. It's not like a, a you know, namby-pamby, Pollyanna kind of positivity. Um, uh, you say that the greatest risk to Americans isn't bank failures, but the federal government itself. Why don't you talk about that and help us understand more of what you mean? I guess we could start with um, helping people understand how the banking system works, and that's a short story, and most people grasp it quickly because they've seen uh, It's a Wonderful Life, which is a, a, a Christmas TV classic where this gentleman, George Bailey, owns a building and loan corporation, which is a bank, and uh, <clears throat> he has financed the building of many, many homes, uh, you know, friends and family, his bank played a role in helping uh, in helping build and, and build homes and people to buy homes. And at one point, the word got out there was a shortfall in the bank because uh, some funds had been misplaced. Actually, they were stolen by a kind of a dark character. I forget his name. Uh-huh. And and so a run on the bank took place where the people heard that the, the bank was in trouble and that they needed to get their money out. So soon. Uh, you know what what happened was that there were no more there there wasn't enough money in the bank to pay the depositors and that's true for every single bank in America we have a fractional reserve banking system and that means that banks are are required by regulation to keep i think it's i think it's 10 or 12% of their of their uh, liability uh, of their assets have to be on deposit at the bank and accessible to depositors. And the rest of the money can be can be lent out. And, of course, they can borrow money from the Federal Reserve and lend that money out. Banks, uh, but the short story is that banks only have about one-tenth uh, of the money on hand for all the depositors that they owe money to. So any bank can be subject to a collapse if everybody demands their money at the same time. Mm. You, you so, understand that? Of course, I think a lot of yeah. people do. And then they yeah. wonder, well, so this is one of those uh, cases of a fatal accompli that if you fear something, you create something happening. What happened in the case of the uh, Silicon Valley banks? Is, there was something else going on there, wasn't there? Oh, there certainly was. Uh, the Silicon Valley Bank uh, is located in Silicon Valley in San Jose. And that became the central bank for so many of these uh, these, corp- these information technology companies, which we now know, uh, and no one even uh, disputes it, are largely embraced by the woke ideology and woke culture. And <clears throat> without going into a long, long discussion about what is wokeism, the reality is is that the the bank was mismanaged and it was mismanaged partially because they embraced uh, sort of a woke philosophy where in their employees they would focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion and not on the qualifications of the, of the hiree. And this is a big problem for all businesses in, in America as they go woke. <laughs> And, and they're being the forced to go woke. There's a lot of investment firms and banks who are forcing this on people. Does does that mean people ought to worry that they're going to go belly up too, or what? 
Well, businesses, and I want to do something with this. There is a presidential candidate now, um, Vivek Ramaswamy, who's, a, you know, in, in a, I, I don't know if he was born in the United States, but he's of Indian heritage. And he and he's wrote this book, which essentially says, if you go woke, you go broke. And then the reason that wokeism is is so harmful to business is that it encourages people to keep their eye off the ball. And the ball that you keep your eye on is honesty and merit and motivation and uh you know the quality quality of character of the employee they need to be qualified in every level of the corporation right don't you want qualified employees always not if you're a communist scott (laughs) right unless you're you're communist you don't want that you want right you want to go to the lowest common denominator yeah go ahead right so what we have now in in management are a lot of woke people who don't, yeah. you know, who really don't belong in management. We have we have uh, boards of directors that reflect, uh, you, you know, diversity and not, and they don't bring to the table the kind of expertise and skill that a particular business that they're on the board of needs. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a very big problem in banking because banking has. Banking is a unique industry. It, it has higher risk than other businesses because of this leverage that I've described. In other words, there's only 10% of the assets on deposit for all the liabilities that might walk in the door. So you've got to manage that risk very carefully. Silicon Valley Bank, because of their woke ideology, neglected that entirely. Yes, they, they were focused on LGBTQ, creating safe spaces and all this sort of thing. Politics, but politics, politics. Poli- instead of right, right. Keeping their eye on the prize. Um, right. uh, we only have a minute or two. And while I'd love to go back to, you know, the risk is the federal government. I want everybody to hear why you wrote this book, Rediscovering America, and why it's so relevant to the phenomenal amount of constellation of crises that we are watching today. I wrote the book because uh, for, for decades I saw this decline going on in America, and it, and it was palpable. I mean, I, I've taught at the gradual level of uh, universities, and I could find that, you know, I could see it there. Uh, and, and I think when we really look at where our country's going, we're going we're going downhill and it's not as though there aren't dark forces behind this there are and we're now realizing that and the dark forces we know what they are they want to suppress free speech and free freedom of thought they want us to embrace various narratives uh where that give more power and control to the government and to authority figures and ultimately you know, this so-called deep state that does exist uh, has a whole different vision and plan for America that would uh, basically uh, eliminate the Constitution. One we didn't vote for. One we didn't vote for. You hear that music? I'm so sorry. Tell everybody they can find that book, Rediscovering America. Absolutely. It's a a book that is like a – uh, an army field manual uh, to help you understand what we need what we need to understand to save our country. Very good. Scott Powell, thank you again for joining us. Can't wait to have you back on soon. Well, we got to take a quick break, and we've got a heck of a guest next. Don't miss it. Karen Catalina in for Alan Nathan. From NAACP Image Award-nominated author Elise Bryant comes a new rom-com about two teens who overcome misconnections and find their way to love. Reggie and Delilah's Year of Falling follows two people who seemingly have nothing in common, but after a year of chance encounters, begin to think the universe may be telling them something. Dungeons and Dragons-obsessed Reggie and emotionally bottled-up Delilah meet for the first time on New Year's Eve and again on Valentine's Day and on random occasions throughout the year. They're drawn to each other, though they are each too insecure to be their true selves. So what happens once they realize they've each fallen for a version of the other that doesn't really exist? 
author Elise Bryant. This is a sweet and funny romantic story in which the characters learn to overcome their fears and discover who they truly are. I hope readers enjoy going along on this ride with Reggie and Delilah and maybe learn something about themselves along the way. Reggie and Delilah's Year of Falling is now available wherever books are sold. Spring is in the air, and now's the time to spring forward with a delicious breakfast from Burger King, an all-natural Simply Orange juice. Begin your day with a sausage, egg, and cheese croissant sandwich with sizzling sausage, fluffy eggs, and melted American cheese on a toasted croissant, or a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit on a warm buttermilk biscuit. And make it a meal. All Burger King breakfast sandwiches go great with crispy hash browns and pair perfectly with a Simply Orange juice with no added sugar. Never sweetened, never concentrated, and never frozen. Simply Orange goes perfectly with breakfast at Burger King and is rich in vitamin C. And now through March 31st on the BK app, Royal Perks members get a free single croissant sandwich with any Simply Orange juice purchase. Use code BREAKFAST to redeem. Get a jump on spring with breakfast at Burger King. Because you rule. At participating U.S. Burger King restaurants, Royal Perks account required. Restrictions apply. See offer terms for details. Not valid on delivery orders. Sponsored by Coca-Cola. You know that feeling? Like every door is closing and you just can't see a way out? Being unemployed, underemployed, or just out of school feels a lot like that. But when you find the right tools, suddenly everything just clicks. Getting on that path may be easier than you think. A good place to start? Go to findsomethingnew.org. At findsomethingnew.org, you have access to resources that help develop new skills. Skills that will position you for careers in today's growing industries. From healthcare and manufacturing to cybersecurity and alternative energy. Plus, you can take advantage of online courses, certification programs, apprenticeships, and more. So you can take yourself from unemployed and uncertain to empowered and prepared for what's next. Find your path to a new career today. Visit findsomethingnew.org. A message from the Ad Council. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. I was in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean when it happened. There was a sudden jolt and our submarine crashed on the seafloor. We were in total darkness. That's Dr. Dejana Figueroa, a marine biologist and STEM teacher, talking about a deep sea dive she'll never forget. It's funny. When I was a kid, I was afraid of the ocean. And there I was, two miles below the surface. But as a scientist, you prepare for that. Using our training and a little creativity, we fixed the sub and finished our experiments. The dive was just too important. Every dive gives us glimpses at things few people ever get to see. Glowing creatures, fiery undersea volcanoes... When we got back to the surface, I kissed the ground and called my mom, of course. But you know what? I wouldn't trade that dive for anything. Dr. Figueroa uses her passion for STEM to discover new things and make the world a better place. She can STEM. So can you. Check out She Can STEM for more stories and inspiration. A message from the Ad Council. Welcome back, everyone, to the Alan Nathan Show. I'm Karen Cataline, filling in for Alan today. Our next guest epitomizes issues that touch my heart maybe deeper than almost anything. All of it does. We all have issues that get to the very heart of the matter. This next guest uh, is a board-certified pediatrician 
who has spent 20 years working in hospitals and clinics. She's also a clinical associate, professor of medicine, and uh, she is recognizing trends in this country that are an awful lot like the communist countries her parents fled from. Dr. Renata Moon joins us right now on The Alan Nathan Show. Welcome, Dr. Moon, to the program. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah. So first, where were your, are your parents from? Yeah, thanks for asking. I, I have to start with my disclaimer, which is that my views and experiences are my own and don't reflect those of any employer or other entity. Sure. Uh, my, my family fled from the communist uh, country of known as formerly, it was formerly known as Czechoslovakia, so from behind the Iron Curtain of Communism. And I was very lucky. I was born here in America, grew up as a proud American, so so happy that we have the freedom that, that at least we used to have here in America. But I'm, I'm rapidly seeing it disappearing. Yes, and, and, uh, and I'm glad you mentioned the disclaimer, but in times past when it was a given that people who express opinions, dissenting or otherwise, are not criminals, that it is not evil to have a thought, an idea, a debate, a discussion, a disagreement, that somehow this is not a threat to democracy, but censoring our opinions and our right to speak is a threat to democracy. Talk about what you're experiencing. Uh, You know, we didn't need that kind of disclaimer, but I'm glad you made it. And yes, uh, uh, these things are under attack today. Talk about what you're seeing in the healthcare field, which is so relevant to every single one of us and still is yeah. after COVID yeah, I had years to make ago. A, I'm very careful about making that disclaimer, just as I'm careful about not naming any place where I have been employed um, or am currently employed, because I actually have an employer after me at this point for having spoken wow. out uh, on horrible. my own free time. And they're actually after me for speaking at the Senator Johnson hearing in Washington, D.C. He was having a roundtable discussion about safety concerns, you know, related to the COVID-19 shot. And his staff had reached out to me and asked me to attend and to speak. And so I did. I was honored to have a congressman ask for my opinion as a practicing physician uh, regarding safety concerns. It's my professional duty to speak out. And yet I've received a letter from an employer saying that it's their ethical obligation to report me for having spoken uh, to the medical commission. And that is not even a veiled, it's a threat against my license and my ability to practice medicine. And and I want to be very clear. I trained at a top United States medical school. I have a clean record of patient care. I've cared for patients for over 20 years uh, in both the hospital and the clinic setting. And it is my obligation to speak out. So to have our voices silenced is beyond belief that this is happening right now, right here in America. And your story is not unique. We've seen this story again and again and again. Uh, uh, retaliation, persecution of physicians that express a contrary opinion. Gone seem to be the days when... Uh, patients got second opinions and they wanted a difference of opinion. Uh, When do you think it Mm -hmm. happened that all of a sudden there's only one way to practice medicine by hospitalists who don't even know the patient? When did all that start? Did it happen with COVID or did it happen before? It was slowly happening before. As I look back, I've been a hospitalist for a number of years. I'm board certified in both and experienced in both. And it was, it was starting to head that direction where less and less tolerance for what patients wanted to do and more and more, you know, you have to do it our way or the highway. Uh, but it was with COVID that this whole thing just flipped on its head. And, yes, now we actually have gotten to the point where in one of the clinics where I was working, um, you know, I've been very open and honest and truthful with my patients as I've tried to be my entire career. I had patients' families asking me about the safety of the COVID-19 shot for their children. They were asking my professional opinion. And here's the shocking thing. I actually gave them my professional opinion because they asked for it. And then they, that patient reported me <laughs> to my employer ah. and wanted me fired for not ah. simply saying safe and effective. So we even have patients now coming after us 
um, you know, again, they've asked our opinion, we've, we've given them our opinion, and then they come after us. And so it's, it's really a brand new brave world that we're facing. And there is only one thing that I can say about it. And that is that we must make this stop. We cannot possibly imagine a world in which we're all silenced and we're, you know, someone from above, whatever agency, hands down and tells us what we must inject into our bodies without any discussion and any uh, individual medical choice. Uh, Horrific. We're, we're really it's, living that world right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's, it's a repeal of the uh, uh, Hippocratic Oath and the Patient's Bill of Rights. Uh, it gets yes. to the very heart of the respect for life. It's a tough question, but it's but you're talking truth about it. What yeah. can we do about this? Because money and incentives are being used to silence people. What can people listening do about it? The 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 corruption is massive. As I as I look at this, I, I think we're all looking at this in horror and realizing how massive this corruption is. I'm speaking to you as a pediatrician who has practiced my whole career. I, I'm not out for anything but getting the truth out to people and saying this has to stop. We have to stop this. And I think the way we stop this first is to acknowledge that a problem exists. We need to wake up people around us. So I know everyone sitting at home right now may think, well, what can I do? This corruption is just so horrible. But you have a voice, and your voice has to join in with hundreds of other voices, and they will become thousands of other voices. And then we have millions of other voices. We need to join together. We need to wake people up to what's happening to the danger of what this is. This is this is what my family fled from. This is what countless millions of immigrants have fled from, the tyranny of their communist governments. We are we are sadly right now in America in a communist in the early stages of communism. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you speak and, to most people who fled from communism yeah. and they acknowledge that. Um, yes and we have sadly people have been dumbed down through years of indoctrinated education so that they don't know that America was created as a beacon to pres- to protect people from that. Our, yeah. our grandparents, our great grandparents fought in this country yeah. to protect liberty. It goes to the heart of that and so much more. I just yeah. commend you so much. And it's a shame when just Courage is, as they say, talking the truth is somehow now a radical notion. Um, What can people, uh, where can they find you and follow you? We do have about three more minutes, two and a half, whatever. Uh, I want to give you the last word. It's yours. You know, I have to, I'm I'm fortunately not on a whole lot of social media because I've just been speaking out nationally, but I I, am not on social media much at this point. They they can go to... um, there's a group I belong to. It's called globalcovidsummit.org, globalcovidsummit.org. And there's a website. Um, and we should have a link up for being able to communicate with us at some point. The mm-hmm. majority of the physicians on that site, are, we're, we're all practicing physicians who are trying to see patients and also fight this, honestly, this cage of communism that is descending upon our country. Uh, trust me, my family did not flee and leave everything behind because it was an amazing system. Communism is a living hell. I saw living it when hell. I went to visit my family there. It's a yes. living hell. And and we cannot wish this on our children and future generations. We must make yeah. it stop. Yeah. 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 We have maybe one minute. Talk about what else they'll find and the mission of the Global COVID Summit. I've never heard of it before. Globalcovidsummit.org. Yes, it's uh, our, our mission is if if we our mission is to keep us free. We need to preserve our freedom, our individual liberties. We're we're physicians getting the word out. Your medical community right now is under a full attack, and I, I fully realize that many of you may be in states where your physicians are not seeing this yet. You're not seeing quite the evil of it. You don't understand how serious this is. I'm coming from a state on the west coast where we're fully engulfed with this, and I also have taught at medical schools, as I mentioned, for many years. Your future doctors are being taught, in many cases, just one narrative about things regarding parental rights. It's it's a much broader discussion that I I don't have time for right now. Yes. But but please, please speak out. Speak out every day. We, We must make this stop. 
Thank you. Thank you. You have many, many people who respect and love you for talking, for speaking out and having principles. It's more important than ever before. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, We are going to wrap up the show with a country music artist. Don't go away for that. This is Karen Cataline filling in for Alan Nathan here on the Main Street Radio Network. The pandemic is just one factor that forced companies to rethink the way they conduct business. In addition to remote employees, companies are uploading more data to the cloud and workers are using a wide variety of apps and devices. As a result, businesses are more susceptible to security breaches than ever before. For 10 years, the open directory platform provider JumpCloud has helped businesses improve security and minimize vulnerability. Security continues to be a top concern for businesses. According to JumpCloud Vice President Eric Brown, organizations need to reconsider their approach. Identity is the new center of IT and the foundation around which all IT infrastructure should be built. That's where we at JumpCloud come in. We help companies and people make work happen with secure, frictionless access to the apps and data they need with an open directory platform designed for identity transformation. To learn how JumpCloud can help your business, visit JumpCloud.com. Vitamin B12 is important for supporting not only our metabolism, but also our energy levels. Our brain and our nerves need certain vitamins like B12 in order to function properly. Even if you're eating all the healthy foods like fruits and vegetables and getting you know great sources of protein, it's sometimes the case that you can become deficient in one or more nutrient, and that's where supplements can be helpful. So if you want to support your B12 levels, Jaro's Methyl B12 is a great supplement to consider to optimize your B12 levels. This type of B12 is recognized by the body, so it's delivered to your cells more efficiently. It's also been shown that it is a great way to make sure that you're getting a highly absorbed form of vitamin B12 and one that's gonna be retained better than other types of B12. You can learn more at jaro.com. My name is Judy Teeter, and I'm the mother of three boys. My youngest, Joe, was a great kid. He loved sports, music, and his youth group. One day, Joe asked me to drive him to an after-school event, which was about a mile from our home. I was driving through a green light when a car in cross-traffic ran a red light and drove right into the side of our car, killing Joe. The driver was talking on her phone, so she never even saw the red light. She was so absorbed in her phone call. Before the crash, I didn't realize just talking on a cell phone while driving was so dangerous. Now it's something I think about every day. According to the National Safety Council, about one in four car crashes involves a cell phone. Hands-free is no safer. When you're behind the wheel, put away your phone. For Joe and for the thousands of needless deaths every year. Remember, there is no safe way to talk on a cell phone while driving. Find out more at nsc.org slash callskill. If you came across someone struggling with hunger, how would you recognize them? By their clothes? Their age? The way they speak? Would you notice a 16-year-old boy who got got his first job, not for extra spending money, but to help feed his little sisters? Or a mother who's in between jobs and sometimes goes to bed hungry so her kids can have dinner? Or a 14-year-old girl who signs up to every after-school activity not to make friends, but just to get something to eat? Or a retiree who fell ill and had to choose between getting medicine or groceries. I am the one in eight Americans who struggle with hunger. People you pass by every day but never knew were hungry. I am hunger in America. Hunger can be hard to recognize. Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America, 200 Food Bank Strong, and the Ad Council. The mission of Paralyzed Veterans of America is clear. Accessibility. Veterans who have served and sacrificed the best of themselves deserve access to the best our country has to offer. Access to meaningful employment. Access to the veterans' benefits they've earned. Accessible homes and vehicles. 
and access to every part of their communities. With PVA staff working inside VA hospitals, no other veterans organization has provided more real-time, ongoing support for paralyzed veterans and their families. PVA is proud to serve veterans across all branches, all generations, and all conflicts. Our nation's heroes fought for your independence. Join PVA in fighting for theirs at pva.org. Welcome back, everyone, to the Alan Nathan Show. I'm Karen Cataline. Thank you to the Main Street Radio Network for including me as part of the team, filling in for Alan when he's working on his book or other <laughs> such things. It's uh, it's a fun team to work for, and I appreciate it. Uh, rounding out this hour, and it's perfect timing, we have a country music artist best known for his back-to-back billboard hits, real cool, kind of hot, and right beer right now. I love conservatives in the arts. We need so many more of them. His name is Derek Johnson, and he joins us right now. Welcome, Derek, to the Ellen Nathan Show. Well, thank you for having me here. It's good to be here. Well, you sound like a country music star. Yes, you do. Um, It's so important. I just want to ask you, kind of generally speaking, um, having had some uh, showbiz experience myself, so overtaken with radical leftists who push their ideology, do you find that it's a challenge being a minority, or is it because country music uh, tends to have what conservatives there are? I'm just kind of curious. Yeah, it's actually funny. Uh, it's kind of uh, kind of been infiltrated in country music with uh, a ton of leftists, and uh, you just—it just seems to go against the grain. I'm one of those old school. It's like you know, country music is a lifestyle. The country is a lifestyle. You know, it's <laughs> like, and um, yeah. so I'm one of those. It's uh, I'm one of those. It's yeah. I I get a lot of flack because I'm I'm vocal, um, and I'm like you know when I meet someone in Nashville, and I'm like, uh, so where are you from? Uh, Los Angeles. I'm like, well what part of Los Angeles? And they're like, L.A. And I'm like, not the outskirts? No, L.A. And I'm like, well, how, so how are you country again? Um, and they'll go, oh, well, my great-grandmother owned a ranch years ago. Oh, okay. All right, well, and that solves it. You know, so, yeah, it's uh, it's been a, quite a journey to be a, a true cowboy in uh, country music and you know, dealing with that. And then, yeah, you get into politics, and it's even worse. Uh, this could be a broad generalization, but I think on the whole, and it's not that broad of a generalization, uh, conservatives tend to be a heck of a lot more tolerant of differing opinions than liberals and leftists tend to be. As um, just a statement here. You, you write that the blueprint to saving America is written in the founding documents. Do you have a song that reflects that or um, just an opinion, which is an important one? Well, no, I don't, uh, I don't have a song yet about that yet. They've been, uh, my team's been egging me on to write a song about what I've written, but I have what I call the documents.info, and, uh, but it's laws and orders, and I find that so many Americans, I mean, 75% of America, Google shows this. When you Google this, 68 75% of America can't even name the three branches of government. So when I show them what's going on by military law first, because military came first in our nation, when I show people what's going on by military law and then also federal law, it's all .gov and .mil sites. Um, I'm actually talking to you today because I have a blueprint that blew up of, of laws and orders. I didn't write or pass. I'm just simply interpreting, but also from a military standpoint. But Donald John Trump is still legally your president and legally your commander in chief via the article two of the constitution, also federal continuity directives that are in the federal register.gov that are current and active. And also because of one major order that made him a wartime president in March, 2020, that's a military order, a direct military order, but it also, he put it in an executive order. So it became a federal order. Um, and it's uh, current and active until 2024. So when a commander gives that command, he holds that command until he either dies or it's rescinded 
or it's mission accomplished. Um, and it's amazing to me that a lot of conservatives don't know that. And I try to I try to tell conservatives all the time, just because you're conservative and a Republican don't mean you know what's going on. So you have to know the simplicities of government. You have to know how our government works. And a lot of Americans don't. And then they take it for granted. Uh, but it's um, all Derek, law and order. I've heard this notion that Donald Trump is still president. And I always kind of have to roll my eyes. Uh, not because, uh, because even if that's true, and I'd like you to explain more, what does okay. it matter if if we're behaving as if Biden is president and he is doing things as president, whomever it is who's directing this presidency? And so what does it matter? Uh, you know, can a person just appoint themselves uh, uh, emperor? Isn't that what we are taking issue with here? Uh, well, no, not really. Uh, what you're watching is what they call a federal continuity uh, directive plan. So there's there's two plans. One was issued January 17, 2017. The other was June 13, 2017. So it shows you three days before uh, Donald Trump took over, and then it shows you inside of his presidency. So that means continuation. It's a continuation of government. So you need distractions with that. Um, Donald Trump also said in March 2020, March 2020 was a pivotal month and year for our nation's history, but also world history. That same month, he said, we're fighting a different war, same scenario as World War II. Different war, he said, invisible regime. The same scenario meant the same laws and orders from World War II. So in World War II, Congress now, Congress gave Roosevelt the power to restructure the executive branch to declare war. All right, so that's when President Trump says, hey, if they're going to investigate me, they're going to investigate every president before me immediately. It's because he's using he used laws and orders that were already in place that gives a certain president power to extend his power as president. So, no, it's not. This is not a joke. This is laws and orders. These are the current and active laws and orders of your nation, uh, of our nation. So Executive Order 13912 was a direct military order. This is why military is separate from, from federal, and that's yeah. why it's not a joke. But also, I ha- No, really I don't fast. think it's a joke, but I have heard this from a lot of people who are holding out hope. continuity of government. I, I consider it wishful thinking because if people are no. – uh, here's the thing. We're, uh, we are constitutionalists and conservatives. Therefore, we're not afraid of differences of opinion, disagreement, and we don't all march in lock or goose step together. So with that in mind, and we only have, gosh, really too little time, um, and I don't know. What are you asking people to do if they agree with you on this? Given well, that we're, orders. we're proceeding as if Biden is president. So what can you do about that? It's a continuity I mean, of government. All three branches of government are under a continuity of government. So everything you're watching is all controlled by the military, the National Guard out of their states every single I day. I hate out to of their do state this. We have so little time. Uh, look up Derek Johnson. Listen to his music. We got to leave it at there. So sorry that we have to go. That's the Ellen Nathan Show for this day. Tune in again on the Main Street Radio Network. Be well. The opinions you hear on the Main Street Radio Network are those of the host, callers, and guests, and not necessarily those of the station, Main Street Radio Network, its management, or advertisers. The information on the Main Street Radio Network does not constitute a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or securities. So please, consult a professional before investing. If you have any questions or comments about Main Street Radio Network, contact us at 703-719-0433 or at our website, MainStreetRadioNetwork.com.